Welcome to Christchurch Winchester's Advent Podcast 2020. My name is Monica Jones and today is the 7th of December. Our podcast today is based on Matthew 1 verses 3 to 6, which is the middle section of Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. A genealogy is a list of ancestors, traditionally fathers and sons. And in yesterday's podcast, James discussed the first section of the genealogy, where Matthew discusses Jesus's relation to Abraham and other figures of the exile. This middle section continues to relate Jesus to key figures in Jewish history, and Matthew is doing this to establish Jesus as a rightful ruler, as someone with a long history of powerful figures behind them. This was a common practice in the ancient world. Many histories of political leaders begin by listing their ancestors. What is uncommon about Matthew's genealogy of Jesus was the inclusion of women, and it is the four women contained within verses 3 to 6 that we will discuss today. Including women in a genealogy was incredibly rare, only ever done if that woman's accomplishments were truly legendary. Some of the women that Matthew chooses to include do fit into this category, but all four of the women are still surprising in their own right. The first woman listed is Tamar, who is identified as the mother of Perez and Zerah, and therefore wife to Judah. Perez and Zerah were twins, born to Tamar in vaguely dodgy circumstances. She was married to Judah's first son, Er, but when he died without Tamar falling pregnant, the rules of Hebrew marriage dictated that she would be married to the second son, who subsequently also died. When Judah refused to allow Tamar to marry his third son, she tricked Judah into getting her pregnant by dressing as a prostitute. Despite this association with prostitution, Tamar's actions were upheld as righteous because it was her duty as the wife of Judah's firstborn son to provide an heir to the line. Tamar was righteous, but there is also a dubious quality to her story. The second woman to be mentioned is Rahab, who is known for rescuing and hiding two Jewish spies in the wall of Jericho. She was not Hebrew, but she knew and recognised the power and glory of God. She was faithful and righteous and trusted that God would protect her from punishment for helping his people. Like Tamar, she was known amongst Jews as an example of what it meant to be faithful and to uphold the law of God. But despite this, in scripture, she is not known as Rahab the righteous, but rather as Rahab the prostitute. She, like Tamar, is not a perfect symbol of righteousness. Ruth, the third woman, we may assume is the exception to this rule. Ruth is even now held up as a prime example of what it means to be a woman of God, what it means to have faith and loyalty and love. She is mentioned in Matthew in relation to Boaz, the man who she married after sleeping at his door and at the foot of his bed while he was drunk. While certainly more righteous actions than coercing him into marriage by getting pregnant as a prostitute, by essentially throwing herself at Boaz, Ruth is placed in the same category as Tamar and Rahab, as righteous but dubious. Unsurprisingly, the final woman in Matthew's genealogy also fits into this category. Matthew identifies this woman as Uriah's wife, though we would commonly refer to her as Bathsheba, the woman who David claimed after arranging for her husband to be killed at war. Bathsheba herself is largely guiltless in the entire plot, and from what we are told about her, it is clear she is a God-fearing and righteous woman, just a woman who engages in an adulterous relationship, one which sends the line of David on a tailspin towards destruction. As I've noted, all four of these women that Matthew includes sit in this category of righteous but dubious. They all have a question mark about their integrity. 
And this is further exacerbated by the fact that these women were likely foreigners rather than Hebrews. Rahab was from Jericho in a time before the Jews took over the city. Ruth was a Moabite, and it is thought that Bathsheba could have been a Hittite, as her husband Uriah is known as such. By including these foreign women, Matthew is introducing a theme which runs through the entirety of his gospel. That Jesus does not just come for Jerusalem or just for Jews, rather that he comes for all people, that he will make disciples of all nations. The use of women to demonstrate this reinforces that it is not just all nations but all peoples, that women will have an equal role in the coming of the kingdom just as foreigners have an equal role. These particular women are multifaceted. Matthew uses them to transmit many messages, but the message that we should perhaps identify with most is that these women were all flawed but righteous. As humans, we are all inevitably flawed, but we can still become righteous. These women's stories tell us about the importance of faithfulness and loyalty. They demonstrate the power of God to provide and to work situations for his good. Within this genealogy, the inclusion of these women set the scene for Jesus. It tells us all of the things that Jesus will do, all of the people he comes for, and more importantly, who he is. Jesus does not come on a red carpet. He is not foreshadowed by a line of faultless, blameless ancestors. Rather, his ancestors are imperfect but righteous humans. And as we read this genealogy, we must acknowledge that it is from people like us that Jesus came. Jesus came from imperfection, and yet he is perfect enough to overcome all that comes before him, to wash us all clean, leaving behind only righteousness. And so, this Advent, as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, let us praise God for his ability to overcome our flaws and our dubious natures. Let us strive to be like these women, women who were faithful, righteous, and loyal to God, women who were great in spite of their flaws, because they allowed God to work through their lives. Let us pray. Jesus, we greet you with wonder. You are precious beyond mere words, and our world needs your presence now more than ever. I gladly take up the angel's song of good news, joy and peace. Let kings bow down, let all creation marvel, let this love story ring out for all to hear. Amen.